Welcome back to Stream of Thought. This is episode number 182, and we kick things off with my tea debacle. I had a little issue going on with the tea that I was making. We also talk about a Zoom class that I've been taking for acting in regards to dialect and language. Quite interesting. Man, oh man, those Zoom classes. I have to say, I am having an experience myself with one of those, and I have a chance to talk with Victor about... Wait just a second. Could there be prejudice in the air? <laughs> You'll just have to listen to find out. And of course, what is a episode of 2021 Stream of Thought without talking just a little bit about politics? The craziness and insanity that we're experiencing right now. Brief, but sweet, and well worth a listen. So with that, episode number 182 of Stream of Thought. We hope you enjoy. <laughs> This is okay. This, tell me what you think of this. This is just one of those little things that bother me. So, right now, I drink uh, tea three times a day. I have three different teas that I drink. All right. So, in the morning, I drink this tea orange. Ruboy, Rubois or something. I don't know what it is. It's got this orange ginger flavor to it. I enjoy it. In the middle of the afternoon, I usually drink some yerba mate, which has caffeine in it just because I get tired and just a little pick-me-up. And then in the evening, I drink the chamomile tea. Now, the chamomile and the orange Rubois or whatever the hell it's called, those are both from Trader Joe's. Those have those have the individually wrapped tea bags with a string attached to it, right? And the yerba mate, it's the tea bag, but there's no string attached to it. Now, the ones with the string attached to it, they sit nicely in the tea, right? And I, my problem with the yerba mate is that the tea bag floats to the top because the it fills with hot air from the boiling water but i don't want it to sit at the top i like it in the middle or want it to sit in the middle or at the bottom that's just me being me and so i took the little yerba mate bag and i was like oh i got an idea what i'll do is i'll take the tea bag i'll fold it in half to get out all the air and then i put a little paper clip on it so that it doesn't come undone oh, because geez. it fills with okay hot air, right dude the the tea bag still floats to the top. I don't understand it. I don't understand why this one is floating, but the other ones don't, and it kind of bothers me. Is it is it one of those things where I know for me, I had a I had a tea drinking phase where even as I was drinking it, I'd leave the bag in and just allow the flavor to continue to go. Are you yes, somebody who leaves? That's exactly what I do. I mean, that's just natural for me. And yes, I know what you're talking about with the ones that float to the top because you're trying to drink it, and it's you can't yes. you can't drink it. It's bumping up, spilling all over your face, stuff like that. Yeah, right. Sometimes what I do, like if I'm if I'm in the middle of doing something, because uh, I have a kettle that uh, it's electric and it uh, you turn it on and then the light. It's cool. It's got this b- little blue light, and the light turns off when it's the water has reached, you know, 100 degrees Celsius, 212 degrees Fahrenheit, whatever. Um, and so sometimes what I'll do is I'll put the tea bag in, 
and I'll leave it there. And then, you know, a few minutes go by, and then I'll take the tea bag out right away before I even drink it. But most of the time, I bring it with me to my desk. I let it sit there, and I drink it as the tea bag is in there. But yeah, this stupid little thing keeps floating. And so I'm letting it sit here right now with a fork in my mug, <laughs> keeping it at the bottom. That's that's your that's your chamomile. No, this is the yerba mate. Oh, the yerba mate, but the chamomile and the orange. Yeah, the other ones are fine. The orange Julius one is, uh, oh yeah, okay. orange rube, whatever it's called. <laughs> okay. But I was at um, I, so I was at my friend's apartment yesterday. I hadn't seen him for maybe like a a month. Well, actually, I hadn't seen him for since the pandemic started and i saw him in december and we met up for coffee and then i saw him last month and uh he has different tea at his apartment and he has the same thing an electric kettle but then what he has is this beautiful glass kettle with uh i don't know what it's what it's called but it's the thing in the middle so that you can put loose tea in it and pour water over ha- it, and yes. it goes. You know what I'm saying? I've seen I've seen those before, yeah. But this just beautiful glass kettle sits on top of this ceramic plate that's maybe like an inch or two tall, and it's a hollow. It's like a hollow raised plate, and How- inside, it's like it's like just two inches tall. But the kettle itself is maybe like I don't know, nine or ten inches tall. But inside the hollowed plate, the ceramic plate is a little. Uh, Oh, and maybe this is why they call it tea light. Duh. It's a little tea or tea candle. This little tiny candle goes, yeah, Victor, it's great because I can pour the hot water into this glass kettle. And then I place it on top of the ceramic plate. And this tiny little candle keeps it warm at just the right temperature. Nice. So you don't have to like reheat water. Oh, that's amazing. Nice. But anyway, wow. what I was getting at was he had a. Uh, like this, like real tea that was, there were like the loose flower petals or plant stuff. I he's like, do you want you know strawberry citrus or lavender cream? I smell them both. I go, let me get the lavender cream, bro. It was the best tasting tea I have ever had in my entire life. I'm intrigued, man. It was, it was absolutely delicious. It it was. I think it was the combination of the flavor of the tea mixed with the fact that it was like the actual loose flower petals. Unprocessed. And just straight the, up. The presentation, just being in the glass kettle, it was magnificent. Oh, man. And then he had like this dish of, uh, we were talking about Trader Joe's trail mixes. He goes, they got the best. I'm like, I know, I love it. And he had, you know, whatever it was, almonds and cashews and cranberries. And he goes, eat all the cranberries. I don't like them that much. I have too many cranberries in this mix. And so then just having a dish of, you know, nuts and dry fruit to go with the lavender cream tea on top of the toast with the peach marmalade. Wow. That was an experience. Can I can I just say, um, of all the things you've ever said to me in life, that is probably the most California thing that you ever described to me <laughs> that I have literally ever heard you say. That really? no, I mean it's uh, well, dude. 
<laughs> it's it's the rich, richness. It it reminds me of of good weather, which is something that is totally absent from here right now. But no, man, I uh, I used to be a huge T fan, and that that sounds like a true delicacy. I would love I would love to have an experience like that. Just sounds I know, and here I am with this stupid yerba mate <laughs> paperclip in the fork. But anyway, it was just one of those moments where you really appreciate the little things in life that give you just so much uh, warmth and fulfillment and it was uh it was magical i really enjoyed it are you uh are you considering possibly investing in something like that yourself or is is that more of a a one-time luxury thing where it's it's no special, i mean occasions. i'll enjoy it the next time i go over there whenever that might be but That's good. i don't have room to have the, the to have the electric kettle on top of the special nice kettle you know when i have more space someday but i'm not going to get that i contemplated too i keep looking at my kitchen uh i contemplated also getting a toaster but it's like dude i don't need a toaster i have a toaster oven it takes a little bit just a few minutes longer for the toast to get toasty in the toaster oven as opposed to the toaster i don't have space you know, I'm at – when you come here someday, you'll see I am at, uh, you know, maximum occupancy in terms of stuff. And it's just right. It doesn't feel overwhelming. I don't want it to get to that point. That's good. No, and it seems like you've got you've got a, a good hallway behind you. I know for me it's always been stuff just cluttered everywhere. So that's, yeah. that's good, man. But um, – What's new with you? How are you enjoying this new year? We are two weeks into 2021. Oh, it's it's going interesting, and... my friend. So uh, do you remember when the last time that you had a, a family movie night was? Gosh. Or a family TV night? Because I remember the last time you had a family TV night. That I had a family TV night? Yeah. I don't know, Dude, unless it was most recent. I don't even know. I can't even tell you. When you Maybe you and your sister were in, in town, college? you and your sister were in town, and we watched, I think it was like Saturday Night Live or something. So not like a movie night, but it was just, do you remember that? No, Where we watched I don't the, remember that at when all. When you were visiting. <laughs> oh, man, that hurts me. That was, uh, that was what, oh, last, last oh, winter? Oh, 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 okay, got it. Yes, all right. I was thinking when we lived in the house. Oh no! Thinking, yeah, okay. after after the move. So got what like okay. six months or no? That was a was that a year ago? That couldn't have been a year ago. Was that this past winter? That was in October. That was in October. Oh, it, that's right because you didn't come back for winter. That was the last time right. I'd see you. So right. yeah. Right. Uh, so anyway, the whole point of that is at a at a family movie night with uh, with my parents last night. So that was that was kind of fun. Nice. Um, what did you guys watch? Probably one of the most infamous Chicago uh, fanatic films, Blues Brothers. Oh, okay. You, you saw, you've seen that movie, right? I've never seen Blues Brothers, and I don't care if anyone thinks anything differently of me about it. I've never seen it. Oh, that, it's just never come across huh. my radar. I've just, I apolog- I'm sorry for not being sorry. I've never seen it. <laughs> How about uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Oh, yeah, I've definitely seen that. Okay. For sure. Those are, like, the, the two, like, prime films for people from Chicago. I mean, it was kind of the same thing when I went to New York, too. Uh, I, they were like, oh, you know, what are some of your favorite movies? It's like, well, I'm partial to Chicago films, you know, filmed in Chicago. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Most people had heard of that, 
but not, you know, not everyone had. And then pretty much no one had heard of Blues Brothers or ever seen it. So it's like, oh man, but it is such just a freaking awesome a, movie. Yeah, that's a that's a Chicago staple. Uh, what was the other one? Breakfast Club was filmed in Chicago. I think it was filmed at. Or it was it was outside of Chicago. It was yes, it was it was in the Burbs, uh, and that was something too that I also grew up on as well. That, but that was through the church when my mom ran the Sunday school and the youth group program, or like the youth programs. Um, she would have this Sunday morning thing, um, and she would call it the Breakfast Club. And a couple, you know, is like once a year or whatever we would watch that movie. Um, so yeah, I, I grew up on that one as well. Nice. Also, also that that's kind of dating myself as well because no one, no one young has that I've talked to has ever watched the uh, breakfast club. I know it's weird. Their classic is now, uh, what was it? Mean girls <laughs> is the modern day classic yeah, right. from 17 years ago. Oh my God. Wow. I have to say, I don't know if I had ever, what was mean girl? I, I don't know if I've seen mean girls. Maybe, maybe once. I know you're drawing a blank, but you, if I played you a scene, if you're of YouTube, a scene from it, you would immediately okay. recognize it. I know. I believe you. you. Brain I believe right you. Now. Totally. <laughs> brain fart. Sure. But dude. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. anyway, great, great family movie night. And by the way, by the way, the beauty, the beauty of Blues Brothers is that it's just not, not known, right? You got Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, James Brown, Cab Calloway, Aretha Franklin, Frank Oz, Matt Murphy, like the list goes on. Ray Charles is in that movie. I mean, bro, it's like it's a powerhouse of everyone who is just the essence of Chicago. And the fact they filmed it on Wacker Drive and they filmed it in places in Chicago, literally shut down the streets. It's uh, I I love the spirit of Chicago movie making. Right, they they go hard or go home. So anyway, it, it was it was just a nice little, you know, yeah. it's been a it's been a long week, so it was it was nice to relax with the family just watch a just watch a goofy and fun movie i do remember there i do remember it was like this huge uh, i i mean again i've never seen it but i remember part of the uh allure to it was there was this huge ensemble cast cast and so yeah i think it was uh maybe john landis who did it who did that who directed it which I will say is also kind of maybe why I'm a little more favorable than I would be to a movie like Transformers, which was also filmed in Chicago. <laughs> or, uh, what was it, the, the Dark Knight? The Dark Knight was also filmed in Chicago. Probably my favorite movie of all time. That's definitely top three. Really? Yeah. That is an amazing trilogy. Dude, Christopher the, Nolan. Yeah. Talk about a man right there. All three of those. Oh. But, um... Dude, kind of switching gears. Well, kind of talking about act. Well, movies, which relates to acting, which relates to this class I'm in. So I'm in this uh, dialect class that teaches us the uh, international phonetic al- alphabet, which you know what, what, you what see is the that? symbol and it tells you how to pronounce it. It tells you how to pronounce words. So when you look in the dictionary and you see a word, and then next to it you see all these crazy letters in a bracket, and it tells you how to pronounce the word. That's the phonetic alphabet. Oh, so, okay. So that's a that's a whole different like style of like yes. reading language, like yes. understanding what it's all the, the different. It's the pronunciation and the way that the air exits your, you know, vocal tract or nose or it, it accents. I always so, wondered about that. 
It's wild, dude. So he's teaching us this stuff. And I mean, there's only a few of us in class. And we're like, our brains are exploding at all the little things, the little nuances that there are in language. We're like, whoa, what the hell? So like, uh, you know, there's there's a sim there's a, a what's called the light L, for example, and the dark L. So the light L, the symbol is just it looks like the letter L. And then the dark L is it just looks like the letter L with this little squiggly through it as if it were to be a cross, but the but the horizontal line is a squiggly. And that tells you the difference, you know, let's say my middle name for example between Philip and Philip. There's a tiny little difference in how it's pronounced. No. That you can – so it can go either way, Philip or Philip, right? Or like tree. Dude, like the, literally you, – You would think – Can't – like I can't, I can't hear the difference. You can't. But if you, if you think about it, you think about your own name or certain things, you'll be able to hear it. So, for example, tree, you, we, do, we don't pronounce it tree. It's tree, like a, almost like a ch, like a ch, tree, not tree. And so there's – so – there's all these different symbols, so when you see it, you know exactly how to pronounce it, and it's crazy. That's wild. But what's fun is I didn't think uh, I would be having this much fun in a class that's done through Zoom because I'd rather do everything in person, but it's turned out to be a pretty good time. We had our – it's a 10-week course. Yesterday was the second week. It's once a week for two hours, but, dude, I'm having a ball. It's awesome. Is it is it uh, is it an interactive class where you guys try to to pronunciate or to uh, yeah, so re- yesterday, refine? Yes. So yesterday, uh, and he can put up his pull up his PowerPoint. We can all see it. And so yesterday we were going through the whole all the letters, and we were taking turns, you know, guessing what it is and giving example words and stuff. So it was a lot of fun, but. Uh, it can be it can become he said he showed just some symbols like it can become extremely complex and extremely detail oriented he's like dude there's no reason to go beyond a certain point like you know but uh but it's it's funny oh do you remember we had that episode like one of the earlier episodes i think it was called education yes i i remember and, the title we, yeah we said it three times in the title, like education education, 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 education. And one of the times that it was spelled out was in the phonetic al- alphabet. You're right. Yes, yes, yes. Because you had written the title too. You would, I think you had copied and pasted right. it. I don't from... know what prompted. I don't know what prompted us to title it that, or why I did. That, we we but... were just talking about grammar and spelling and stuff like that. But that is so fascinating. So I will say. I do share a connection to that, like the excitement of that. There's something about learning a totally new understanding of how to, like, communicate in a different language that most normal people don't understand. Felt that same way learning Hebrew, which is part of the reason why I think I studied it for um, five years. I, like, I was just so pumped about um, just something that people didn't know on a normal basis. Like, oh, this informs my knowledge about the English language, even if it's in a totally different way of interpreting right. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Fun times. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. How many, how many people are so, in the class? There's only like 
five of us. Oh, wow. So that's like a one-on-one. And classes are how long? Like an hour? Yeah, I think it's two hours. Two hours? Actually, there's a four of us. Myself and one, two. Yeah. There's four, four of us. Four students. How did you come across this class? Uh, I was – so during the new year – or right before the new year – I was coming up with things to do that I wanted to do for January in terms of acting, and I hadn't taken a class in a long time. And one of the classes that I want—I mean, I've done enough scene study classes, you know, so I didn't want to do a scene study class. Not to mention, you have to do that in person. And I thought it was going to be—well, uh, I wanted to take a dialect class, and I thought it would be the easiest class to take online given the circumstances of the pandemic and other things, you know, you don't need to be in person to take that class, right? Right. You really need to be in person if you're taking a scene study class and you, you know, have a scene partner and you're performing a scene, right? So that's why I wanted to take it. And because with this, you can take classes, you know, this teaches you whatever dialect. And I think this one, we're focus, focusing on... uh the rp british dialect but he said you know at the end of the course you will have the tools needed to you know essentially teach yourself any dialect that you would like to teach yourself wow that's exciting holy cow dude so um i had a quick question for you okay so what is up with the what's up with the whole press for pressing for impeachment with, you know, well, I mean, they, I think the House voted to impeach the guy a few days ago, but can they not press charges against him for anything after he leaves office? Oh, no, they totally can. I mean, they're... So then what's with the, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's with the, the push to do it, like... I don't know. You know more about. I mean, I'm on board, but I you know more about it. There's there's two reasons. One, which is kind of an out there, clear and present thing in the ethos uh, or ether, is uh, that by convicting a president through impeachment, it means they can never hold federal office again. And Trump has been talking about running for president in 2024, and he would he would clearly without a doubt, win the Republican nomination, which means he very well could become president again, uh, as we talked a little bit about last episode. So the the first and foremost thing is to make sure that he, that that is never a possibility, that this, this personal individual will never be able to hold office again. Uh, the second is as a sign of deterrence for future politicians who want to basically say the Constitution doesn't matter, say there will be repercussions, and you're like don't do this this is not what democracy is so yeah it's both um a deterrent to trump as well as a deterrent to future trump-like politicians to say you will be held accountable so which is why people are saying it's kind of it's unlikely but it is possible that even after the term ends and the senate holds the impeachment trial he could very well be convicted um the the senate republican the top republican in the senate who's going to be in charge of the opposing side of conviction, has already signaled that he's weighing his options. And as somebody who has never broken from Trump before, that he he's sending a signal that, yeah, yeah vote your conscience, 
if you feel like you don't want to see him in the presidency again, vote to convict. I was surprised, but at the same time, I wasn't surprised that he was uh, trash talking his VP. He's trash talking everybody. <laughs> you heard what he told him, right? Pretty much calling him a wuss. <laughs> he, ta- you know? he called him a pussy. He called. He said, "You can you can either be a patriot or you can be a pussy." <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't hear that part. Yeah, that was reported. But yeah, <laughs> I it it's been. Yeah, it's been, it's been a, a wild time. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens during the inauguration. But, yeah, it feels like like passions and tempers are up there. Well, speak, speaking of both heightened emotions as well as going back to school and class, uh, the the chaplaincy group I am a part of. Uh, we, had, we, we meet once a month for, from, uh, what is it, my time. It's from about, like, 9 to 4 or whatever every Monday. So it's an all-day Zoom meeting where we... Oh, my God. I forgot about that. (laughs) An all-day meeting? It is. And, well, we have an hour for lunch. So it's... But it's about, what, six hours, seven hours, I think, of of straight-up meeting. Dude... Fuck that. Yeah, no, it's oh uh, it's seven god. hours. Yeah, it is. It is a full. It is a full oh work day. My <laughs> gosh. So, so this is. I'm tired. I'm getting tired just hearing about that, dude. It's all right. Continue. Well, and I don't know what I've told you before about about the uh, the chaplaincy program or the. It's called clinical pastoral education CPE. Whatever. Uh, have I told you about how that that's worked? We. You told me I forgot. It was a while. It was a while back when you first joined. Yeah, basically, it's uh, I get uh, so you need something like what is it? You need uh, six completed units or something like that to be able to be certified as a chaplain through the national chaplain program. And I have one unit down already, and so this would count for another half unit. So it's just you know once a month. All day, whatever. You know, I can, I can, I can swing. Every that. month is a half unit. No, every no, meeting no, no. The, all, there's, there's like ten meetings, so it's, it's basically almost an entire year. Um, for a half for, for, unit. For a half unit, and and it costs, I think, like one thousand five hundred dollars. Which what are you gonna be ninety years old when you get your six units? So this is an expanded unit, which which means it's spread out over time. Whereas a, a typical one, when I work, when I was living and working in New York City. I went there, I think it was three times a week, two times a week, um, every week for the entire, you know, four-month semester. And so that was a full unit. And there was also, like, an entire day that I'd be there and, and et cetera, et cetera. Got so, it. Yeah. Um, so this this is definitely modified, and it's been five years since I've done uh, my chaplaincy work. And it's a small group, like like your, your class. <laughs> <laughs> where there's uh, there's a total of six of us, five 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 of us um, in process for chaplaincy, and then our supervisor, and that has been that has been quite an interesting experience. I'm not going to get into the details too much, but basically, the way that the class breaks down is in the morning. There's kind of a a check in um, thing where people are talking about stuff that's going on, emotions or personal situations that might affect the way that they interact. And then we go and do these things, and these are the worst. They're called verbatims. And based off of the name, I'm sure you have a sense of, you know, what that might be, possibly. 
a verbatim. It is it is a recollection of a conversation word for word of a pastoral or ministerial encounter that you've had. And so it's normally maybe a five minute five minute section of a conversation. It could be a singular conversation, it could be part of a wider conversation, but it's it's something that uh you're expressing kind of curiosity about the way that you're engaging with them in a ministerial sense as well as trying to understand what that person is going through. So you write it down, you know, line by line, what each person says, what their emotional state is, and then you kind of bracket that both before and after with your assessment of how you thought the situation went and then have everybody discuss it. So you have, and that normally each of those, it normally it takes about 15, 20 minutes to read a, a verbatim and then another hour, 10 hour, 20 minutes to discuss the verbatim. So yeah, I got two of those followed by a uh, kind of a, there's a topic of conversation course. So, you know, yeah, uh, ministering during death or something like that. So people who have various specialties in, in their area of ministry will give kind of a, a 30 minute lecture on something. And then we'll discuss it for the following 30 minutes followed by what's called IPR, which is basically interpersonal relations and how everyone has processed the entire thing. So long and short, whew, that's, uh, wow. that's, that's how a day goes. Boring city, USA. <laughs> Gosh. See, so... I do not believe that. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. It's it's not quite as boring as you might think. Sometimes it does become a little tedious, but you... I mean, you know me. I'm, I'm kind of an op- opinionated person, and I like to interpret things that people say. The thing that I experienced uh, this past week when we had our, when we had our little Monday session was... Uh, Dude, so it's myself and Joe are the only two men, and the supervisor is a gay woman, and then you've got two rabbis and a UCC pastor. Um, there is, I I have a hypothesis, and I believe that this will be borne out as I examine it more. I I, it, I just came to this realization after Monday's meeting. Because certain things were said. There is a certain bias against men from the women that, you know, normally when feedback is given, as I have experienced it in this group, if it's among the women giving each other feedback, it's very kind and compassionate. Not a single woman in that group has said anything positive about anything either Joe or I have had to say. (laughs) And more than 50% of the time, the response has been uh, very harsh and critical. Like, why are you not understanding the women's perspective? Why are you using words like reconciliation or empathy? How, you know, like, they, they, they seem very affronted by it. I'm like, oh, this is so fascinating, you know? And it's weird because I am a white, straight, privileged man, and I have never been the victim of prejudice or bias before. So this is, for me, it was it was not so much that I was like, oh, you know... I'm super hurt and wounded in the moment I was because I didn't know what was going on. But now that I kind of have a greater sense and I'm going to try and work this out, it'll be interesting to see because I will most likely articulate this to these women that I believe that they have prejudice. Uh, that, uh, you know, it 
it's a good experience for me if that's the case because prejudice is always subconscious so they're not intentionally saying we don't like men but they have never said anything positive about men they have never said anything positive either joe or myself and it's it's very interesting that it's like oh wow i've never experienced that because i'm a man somebody won't like me so interesting i don't know I don't know if you've ever had a situation like that where where you, you come to realize that somebody doesn't like you because of how you look or something. I was in Mexico, and I was with my cousin at a wedding, and we were smoking weed. Oh, this doesn't have a hole on the side of it. You know how some of the bowls have a hole on the side? And I was, like, checking to make sure it was lit. They are making fun of me because I didn't know what – I knew what I was doing, but to them – they thought that I was like a newbie smoking weed and and it was like, oh, look at this white boy this, this American that. And I'm like, dude, I fuck, I know exactly what the fuck you're saying. Like, I speak Spanish, dumb fuck. Like, I know exactly what you're saying. And I've been, like, I've, I haven't done anything to, like, offend you or, like, I never, I'm just hanging out. And you're just immediately making fun of me because I'm just this white American and I am conversing with you in Spanish, and we're all hanging out, and, like, these, you know, these two or three guys were the only guys that were being assholes. Everyone else was fine. And I'm just like, did I? I'm trying to think. I was like, what did I? I didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, because, uh, I mean, like, even at Union, right, where I was kind of the, the archetypal enemy of these, uh, a lot of these social justice warriors, I mean, people treated me at least with a, a modicum of respect, uh, or or at least would listen to me. Granted, I was the student body treasurer, so I did control the student funds for all the organizations, so I guess people had to be nice to me. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird in this dynamic where it's like, I I don't really know what to make of a, a situation like this. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely reflecting on it because... I have always been a part of community where, dude, I've been raised by women my entire life. I would say, you know, 90% of all the women mentors in my life have been women. And so for me, I just, it's always been mutuality, empathy, compassion, stuff like that. And when I try to express that <laughs> in this group, which is just the way that I interact with people, I like to be a, a mutual person. I like to, you know, and the craziest thing that just it it still it bugs me it bugs me quite a bit um it has just been like a tick is that you know what empathy means right yes now you want me to it's no 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 ba uh, yeah you don't need to you don't need to define it i mean no. it, it, it's ba <laughs> i'm not no i'm not i'm not quizzing you i'm not <laughs> i'm just saying like yeah empathy basically you putting yourself in somebody else's shoes is the easiest way to describe it right and even if we don't know exactly how somebody else is going to feel, we can say, okay, in a situation where, say, someone's getting held up by a, a bank robber, how would you feel if you were the person being held up? You know, that's the question of empathy that you, you would ask for the person robbing the bank. It's like, put yourself in a, another person's shoes. And the and this kind of ties into the, the politics conversation because they were all ranting about Trump and just how horrible the national situation is, et cetera, et cetera. And then I go into talking about my my conservative friends, stuff like that, like hardcore Trump supporters. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, I try to understand where they're coming from. I got attacked, bro. I got attacked for saying, 
you should show empathy. This is in a chaplaincy group too. They're saying there's no room for that. And I'm like, oh God, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be next to you in a hospital bed like that, that on on my dying bed and wearing a MAGA hat and having these people. Nope, sorry, you don't deserve love or mercy. I don't think that's where they would go, but I, I just, it, I find it so paradoxical that in a place where you're trying to be a better person in relationship to others that I'm attacked for saying we should have empathy and there is a veiled sexist uh thing it's like well you're a man you can say that kind of thing it's like you shouldn't you shouldn't be saying that well and that's the crazy part too man is that i mean you know not just in this podcast but in my ministry too it's something where i always talk about the subconscious bias and it's always targeted more towards um like white people who don't have experience to minorities and the prejudices that are built up. Like it's normally being able to explain to my, my kind, like fellow white men who don't like minorities to be able to have empathy. It's weird reversing that to the opposite side where you have these uber liberal women who subconsciously don't like men. And here's this white guy who acknowledges that there's something going on, that there's maybe a bias because I, that's what I deal with all the time. Subconscious bias. Like there's no way, there's no way they would ever listen to me. I mean, I don't really intend to change their hearts or minds, but um, it, it is weird how there's that, that barrier where the holier than thou attitude of, well, we're liberal. But are you going to bring so. it up? I pro- Are you going to bring it up? Probably. Like- oh, at some point. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to bring it By up. By the way, have you noticed that Joe and I are under scrutiny from all of you guys? Oh, no. It's going to be much more intellectual than that. I, right, I will exactly. Have a, I, but, but basically, when it comes down to it, that I'm, I, I, have, I have supervision with the, the supervisor of that, and so I'm bringing it up with her first, and I'm going to kind of try and break that down. You know, she... <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to speak to her, but... Um, yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see what, what she has to say about that because, um, you know, I'm not going to stay silent. If I see if I see a certain reality or truth to a situation and it's constructive to the overall dialogue, you know, uh, my feelings aren't going to be hurt. I have nothing to lose. <laughs> it's all over Zoom. Right. I don't have to go out to, to coffee or, or beers with these people. <laughs> so, yeah, and they're not I and they're not going to scare me away either. And that's uh, the rumor is that a lot of a lot of straight men have been have been scared away from this group. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Hang in there. Get that half unit. <laughs> right. you know? Well, hey, man, Joe paid for it already. So I, I owe it to him to, oh, to go through. Nice. So, yeah. Do you have anything else? I do. I think it can wait for for next time. Um, yeah, I, it's it's a develop. It's a developing story. Okay, cool. Yeah, time really flies. I'm like, oh, man, it's already been 40 minutes. Four, four, I feel like we just started five minutes ago. I know, seriously. So with that, episode number 182 of Stream of Thought. Until next time. Until next time.